brand new sound for your Sunday morning. The only one who could ever teach me. Introducing the Reverend A.R. Bernard of the Christian Cultural Center. Was the son of a preacher man. And Rabbi Joseph Fantasnik of Religion on the Line. The only one who could ever teach me. Now, now on 77 WABC, the Rev and the Rabbi, where faith matters. Good morning, I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend, I look forward to the day when we have a conversation with people face-to-face, and the first question won't be, can you hear me? Because, that's, <laughs> yeah. right, that's how every Zoom conversation begins. All right. Uh, you know, we just got the results of the election. Eric Adams versus Curtis Lua. Um, no, 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 wait, we got, we, we got the Democratic... Uh, primary results settled. So we've still got another election coming in, in November, right? Right. This is the primary. So it's Adams yeah. versus Sliwa. Yeah. Right here on WABC, matter of yeah. fact. Yeah. What did you think of ranked choice? What was your thought? You know, I, I, was, I, I, I was concerned. Uh, you and I, you know, we've had conversations about this uh, throughout the process. Uh, because you had a situation where you had Eric Adams and Maya Wiley came in second as the first choice for voters. But then with rank choice, uh, the first choice, which is the first of the second choice, if I can be clear here as possible, the first of the second choice was Catherine Garcia, which immediately bumps out the the second of the first choice, Maya Wiley. Mm. That that you know that that changes yeah, things, I, and then I have mixed feelings about this whole process. Um, you know, I like my number one choice to win, uh, not someone else's number two or three. So uh, I don't know. I, I I'm so accustomed to the other kind of election, not ranked choice, that uh, I lean in that direction, not this one. Yeah, I, you know, look, it's, it's a test, uh, and Eric has come out. Eric Adams has come out. Uh, a winner, and now we've got another general election that will take place in November. But I will tell you, whoever the mayor is, they're going to have to be strong in their leadership. They're going to have to have moral courage because they're going to have to make decisions, especially on issues of crime and what it's going to take to bring down crime. Because you think about it, Rabbi, right? We're concerned about education. We're concerned about the economy. We're concerned about housing, all of these things. But if we don't put a handle on crime, all right, these yeah, things you know, are going to be a non-issue. That's if why. Get, if you, you know, bring I, the I, crime down, yeah. the economy will follow. Right, right, right. People living, especially in crime-ridden areas, want police. They want to see them there. Uh, people have all kinds of, you know, recommendations. But this issue of defunding police when crime is rising, what are you thinking? You know, uh, we want police to be there for us. We feel much safer when we see police, you know, on the street, on the subway. Uh, so I don't understand. Again, I ask this question. What is progressive about removing police? Where, where's the progress in that? Where is it shown to be effective? Um, so I, I'm I'm glad to see that at least we have a, a you know, a nominee here uh, who is not in favor of reducing police, but in favor of having a more effective police. That's a different right. conversation. Right. 
Right. And, and, and that's where we take a look at the systems, the structures, the policies, the practices, and, and we make adjustments. We make changes uh, that are for the better and build better relationship between the community and law enforcement. Because I will tell you, in communities of color, all right, black and Latino uh, communities across the city, uh, they want police presence. They want safety. They want to f- be able to come home and feel yep, safe yep, in their home, yep. mm-hmm. safe in their communities. And and I understand the other side of it is that, you know, they want that policing to, to be respectful. To They don't want over-policing, you know. So striking the balance is critical, and that's going to have to come from the leadership. And surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people who will say no to you when you th- they think you made an inappropriate decision. Uh, but you need intelligent. Always surround yourself with people smarter than you are. It makes a big difference. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. And we have. Uh, and, and he's going to need that around, you yeah. know, or, or, or whoever wins. Exactly. You know, we're not declaring the winner here yet. <laughs> That's why they, uh, no matter who wins. Not publicly, right? Not they're, publicly. They're going to need us. <laughs> they're going to need us. So today we have, to talk about leadership, we have two people who have exhibited uh, extraordinary leadership during a most difficult time. Uh, one is the mayor of Miami-Dade County, Daniela Levine-Cava, uh, mm-hmm. who has been all over the news and hosting press conferences, and the other is her rabbi, Julie Jacobs, with whom I worked together for years in Brooklyn Heights. And um, both of them have shown uh, the importance of giving uh, strength to the weak, uh, because this requires so much strength, not only for your own being, but for other people who are suffering. So I look forward to that conversation. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to hear what they have to say and, you know, experience it heart to heart on the ground. So, All right. When we come back. Yeah, so stay tuned to the Rev and the Rabbi right here on WABC. Where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi, 77 WABC. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Tassik. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend, we are truly honored to have two outstanding people on with us today. Uh, first is my mayor of Miami-Dade County, Daniela Levine-Cava, who obviously uh, has been in a very, very challenging position of late after the collapse in Florida. And we have her rabbi, Julie Jacobs of the Beth David Congregation. So uh, a great honor to have you with us. Thank you so much, Mayor, Rabbi. We look forward Thank to this you. conversation. Mayor, I saw one of the quotations attributed to you is, we are not strangers. Um, and obviously, there are people following the collapse that you brought together and you became family. Talk about that experience, uh, because obviously nothing can prepare you for that kind of tragedy. It is truly remarkable, the number of people and groups that have come together in this tragedy. We know tragedy does bring people together as we collectively address a common challenge. In this case, it's been worldwide. We have people all around the world holding us in their hands, praying for us. And here in the United States, all over the country, they're pouring in the uh, search and rescue teams from all over the country and and. Uh, we also have Mexico and Israel, and we are uh, here locally, all the cities, all the elected officials up and down, the local, state, federal, uh, but community groups, faith groups. So, and, and it isn't just that they've come together, it's that we are working seamlessly. There's a, a tremendous network 
of uh, collaboration and support every single day, from feeding us to um, uh, giving us uh, comfort with dogs and prayers uh, to being at the memorial wall together. It's it's been uh, unfortunately in tragedy. These have been heartwarming moments. Mm. Reverend. Yeah, you know, I, I when I think of times like this, I think about leadership. Leadership tends to be a foul weather job. You know, no one mm. cares who's in charge until things go wrong, until there's a crisis. And then when they want to know who's in charge and what are they doing about it? Um, I, you know, from a leadership perspective, how do you respond to a crisis of this magnitude where you have to be sensitive to families moving through the search and rescue, and then ultimately making a decision to move to recovery. That can be heart-wrenching. And as a person of faith, you, you, you also symbolize hope. How did all that come together for you, uh, mm-hmm. as, as, you mm-hmm. as you're leading this? Wow. So I'm very grateful for my 65 years of wisdom, mm-hmm. and I'm very grateful for uh, also my, my Jewish roots. Um, uh, tzedek, tikkun alam, repairing the world. That's that's tzedakah. That's been part of my my uh, upbringing, and I have always been involved in community caring and community response. So, uh, really, this it just sort of kicks into gear. I uh, there's instincts at play, but also experience from from other situations. And uh, look, I have these incredible resources, Miami County has the best uh, firefighters, uh, rescue workers, police, um, social service providers, and they have come together seamlessly for this operation. So, you know, my job is is just making sure nothing gets in their way. And Rabbi Jacobs, uh, you had many, many uh, accolades to confer upon the mayor, but let's talk about you first in terms of uh, your involvement here during this tragedy. Uh, nothing can prepare you, uh, but you also exhibited rabbinical leadership. So talk about what you went through, uh, how you were able to deal with it uh, in partnership with the mayor and so many other good people in Miami-Dade County. Uh, sure. Uh, well, first of all, I I think one of the first things I thought of was my experience with you uh, working through 9-11, and I was much younger back then. Uh, I don't have the 65 years yet. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, what I followed in your footsteps and um, admired how you, um, you know, still who you were, who you were, a compassionate, caring uh, rabbi. And then kind of, as Daniela said, um, you know, went back to roots and, and level headed and, and kept that all in mind while dealing with so many things at once. And I kind of look back at that and then um, quickly was in contact with uh, the Miami Jewish Federation, the rabbinical association and people who said, okay, what do we do? How can we help? Where can we uh, pull our resources? How can we be strength uh, for other people? And kind of the same thing, just dug deep down and said, okay, I know that part of what my calling is, is to be strong is to be strong for other people and to be a source of comfort. And, um, you know, I went to um, the community center near the site um, shortly after the collapse to just be present. And if I saw someone there who needed some form of comfort or just a shoulder to lean on, even if there were no words, 
that was what I was able to provide. And then um, it's now just reaching out to, I know that my colleagues who might be closer to the source who have families directly involved um, from their congregation. So let them know that I'm here also for them. And um, just to keep reaching out and saying, you know, we're here and we're together. And, and then another part of that is trying to figure out how to help people help people, mm-hmm. right? So many people want to know what they can do and they, they're constantly texting or calling and saying, Rabbi, I need to do something. I need to do something. Where can we collect? What organizations are helping? And it's just basically having an open ear and open mind and, and being present. Well, we're very proud of you. Uh, Rabbi, if I may ask, you, you know that people will go through a process. You're familiar as a faith leader with the, the stages of grief, mm-hmm. uh, beginning with blame. And, mm-hmm. you know, people start blaming. They'll, they'll blame the administration uh, the mayor's office, everyone else, and and both of you have to help them walk through that, understand it, uh, that that's part of the process, and lead them to a place of acceptance. Uh, can you speak to that? Sure. Um, you know, when somebody loses someone, and we'll say lose, meaning they're not there with them and we don't know if they're gone or not, but they're in the state of complete shock, they're not in their right mind, they have every... Um, we have to accept that that's how they should feel and, and feel at the time. We're not to judge. It is not for us to judge at all what they're going through because what they're going through is something that nobody can relate to. And even those who are going through similar things are going to respond differently. So I think the first step that's so important for us to recognize is that if they yell, if they're screaming, if they're blaming they're not at fault for feeling those things because it's so um, close to their heart and there's no way to think clearly or to process because everything is a blur and everything is um, too raw. And so even in Judaism, we, we don't, you know, we, we accept that there's a, you know, we, we can't judge them and can't say you should feel this way or this is what you need to do right now. It's allowing that space. And I think then um, once there is a little bit of closure, it gets a little bit of easier, a little bit easier because there's a there's something to process. When there's nothing to process and there's a waiting period and you have no idea what's going on, right. then you know our job is is to allow that feeling to happen. Blame is, I mean, it's 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 something you go to because you have no answers. We're talking with mm-hmm. the mayor of Miami Dade County, Daniela Levine Cava, Rabbi of Beth David Congregation, <laughs> the mayor's rabbi, Julie Jacobs, Mayor. Uh, I read that a decision was made to bring families of uh, lost loved ones, missing loved ones to the site. That had to be a very difficult decision to make. Uh, Talk about the genesis of that. The uh, rabbi, my rabbi mentions that she went to the family reunification center and these families were in despair and uh, totally in denial, disbelief, disbelief, I would say. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was so important to them to to finally, a few days after that, see what was actually happening. We were describing it to them, but they needed to see it with their own eyes. So uh, we had an extraordinary firefighter, uh, an assistant chief named uh, Ray Jadala, who had been meeting with them twice a day, answering all their questions, showing them pictures, addressing all of their concerns, and they asked if they could see the site. Mm -hmm. So basically, we 
we did everything we could in our power to help them to uh, come to terms with what was going on. So visiting the site to me seemed natural. Now, uh, clearly it was very sensitive because maybe a body would be taken out in the time that they were watching or something else that would be very upsetting. Uh, and, and there are safety issues around the site. There was still a, a building standing that could have collapsed. So we had to be very thoughtful and cautious about that, but we made sure it could happen. And it, it really contributed to their yeah. sense that we were uh, totally transparent, telling them the truth. And they were calling out names of loved ones, I understand, when they were there. Yes. So I, they really did not want anything politicized. And there were lots of politicians arriving to Surfside. And these family meetings at the beginning would have a real posse of elected officials in the room. And the they you know they they were unfiltered in their pain, and they said we don't we don't want to hear from politicians. You know we want to hear from people who can really give us answers. What's going on? So I called it and said, you know I couldn't order the politicians to leave, but I told them that it was the request of the families, and I did not. And I told them that we were arranging the site visit, and that we would not allow politicians to join them mm. on the site visit. Wow. So I'm, I know they were very grateful for that. You know, Mayor, you know, um, any loss of life, uh, adult or child, is, is, is a tough thing to deal with. But you have a background of dealing with children. You have a special love for children. I looked at, you know, uh, what, what you've done in the past. And yet there were children involved here, children missing, uh, that families were just very painful about. Um, did that... They affect you differently? Oh, goodness. Yeah, for sure. Thinking about a life unlived, uh, the potential, the, you know, in some cases, children who died and their parents still live, nothing worse than burying a child. And some of these children were young and some were adults. Uh, someone who had just been married, uh, someone, uh, you know, there was a baby naming schedule. People had come to visit and were staying in that building to attend a baby naming. Mm. It, it just, well. you know, life cycle. And, and you get a little slice of, of many, many loved lives. And, of course, mm. the young one is the hardest. You know, Mayor... Um I think you used a phrase, shared strength, I was reading. And one of the things that we noticed with pride is the ability to remove labels uh, from people. It didn't matter that the governor was Republican and you're Democratic. It didn't matter that there was Orthodox there with conservative reform. People came together. Um, and to me, 9-11 uh, really taught us the same that there comes that moment where we have to learn to walk and work together. We spend too much time dividing people from one another, and this was a unifying experience. Am I right? Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, tragedies do that. Uh, and we were all talking. I met with a group of rabbis today from the Surfside area, and the the challenge for us is how to take that and keep it going into the future even as the weeks and months 
go by and the media is not on us and uh, these families are, are going to be in some way returning to some kind of normalcy in their lives. Of course, they'll be scarred forever. But how do we maintain that sense of common purpose, mm-hmm. of collective love? We have to do that. Not just, as one rabbi said, it should not be uh, just in wartime, but also in peacetime mm-hmm. together. And Mayor, to, to Rabbi's point, the fact that, you know, crisis reduces us to our humanity and all the labels are stripped away. But you were sensitive to various faith traditions in terms of how you handle the, the recovery. Uh, I believe that there was a tent designated on site when a Jewish body was discovered uh, to have prayers performed and specific protocols to honor the different faith traditions. Um, can you speak to that? So our police department and fire department have chaplains from every possible faith and multiples, uh, and they are very embedded in these communities. They know the local players. So there's already a process in place. It was not created for this tragedy. Uh, And uh, every death is observed. Every body is treated in a way that would befit um, Jewish or other faith traditions, but particularly to observe the rituals around uh, preparing a, a Jewish body. Uh, and uh, prayers are said, uh, everything uh, that carries life, uh, that carried life is collected. Mm-hmm. And so that was a process that began before me. But I did have an opportunity to meet uh, with some of the rabbis to talk about it, to be sure, because maybe around the area where the body was found, how were we preserving everything in case there were any body fluids? So, um, you know, I think I, I helped to refine the process a little bit, uh, but but it was already established. Renee Argonard, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik, The Rev and the Rabbi, where faith matters. 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. We're talking with the mayor of Miami-Dade County, Daniela Levine-Cava, and also her rabbi, Rabbi of... Uh, Beth David Congregation, Julie Jacobs, with whom I worked together for a number of years uh, when she was in Brooklyn Heights. Rabbi, and perhaps, uh, uh, Mayor, you can address this. People, I think in some cases, understandably so, all of a sudden say they cannot be a God who has taken away this person from our lives. How, mm-hmm. do, you, how do you deal with that? I would hear that question many times. Where's, the, where's your God? Where is God? Julie, talk about that for a moment. Yeah, that's uh, one that comes up all the time. I think sometimes it, it comes up in, in, in mundane moments as well, um, in, in people's lives day to day, when things go wrong, and then when things go terribly wrong, it's even uh, a stronger feeling. Um, of course, uh, you know, in a moment where someone doesn't want to hear about God, I don't I don't go there, right? That's not a conversation I can have in that moment. Then, but then when it's time to kind of take a step back and see where you are, I feel like God is in those moments of, you know, the, the, the firefighter um, uh, lifting someone out of the rubble, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the people who are supporting one another, the moments where we have to kind of grasp at every single moment that we have to know that uh, we, we need faith in order to move on. We have to figure out that, you know, God doesn't do this to us. So we are here. We've been given an opportunity to um, 
to repair the world, to do right by others, to act from a place of goodness as much as possible. And then when tragedy strikes us, we're, we can't we can't see that often. We're like, what happened to me? Where was I when all this? How come, you know, I've been doing this all my life and I have this and it's been taken away from me. Where are you God in that? Yeah. And, um, and I think it's just a, it takes time to perhaps, some people have automatic faith, right? If God is there, even in these tragedies, they were able to say at that moment, God is still with me. I am here. I will, I will get through. I have hope. I have faith. I have trust. And sometimes people say, not, I can't even think about that right now right. because look what I've lost. It takes, yeah, it may, takes some nurturing and caring. Mayor, you're a person of faith. Uh, one of the things I think you demonstrated is what we call the theolo- theology of presence being there. Uh, just mm. being there to hold, to hug, uh, to give that mm. that shoulder to lean on. Uh, to me, that is something that is so critical during this time. But as a person of faith, how do you also address when people say there can't be a God if this happened? Mm. <sighs> you know, I heard a, a priest say at a fu- one of the funerals that this was an act of man, not of God, mm-hmm. that it was human frailty. And, uh, you know, this was not a natural disaster. Something was wrong with this building, mm-hmm. and we will find out what that is and how that, those, that mistake or those mistakes came to be. Uh, I don't think those are acts of God. And it's on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as people with responsibility for the safety and well-being of our community to learn everything we can about what happened here so that we would never allow it to happen again. Uh, so I guess for me, you know, God gives us the strength to get through these things. Um, God gives us the wisdom to, to act uh, with humanity at the center. Uh, and, and, and God is here for us to give us strength. Mm. Robert? You, you know, uh, Rabbi, if I may ask, because what we experience is, as, as you know, with 9-11, the, not only uh, were the families of victims uh, emotionally stressed, but the first responders. Mm-hmm. We found ourselves as clergy uh, speaking to the first responders to give them comfort and strength and encouragement because they wanted to speak to clergy before they were willing to speak to any mental health professionals. Um, what was your encounter with the first responders? Because when, even when you switch from, from you know, uh, search and rescue to recovery, the responder is saying, no, give us a little more time. We, 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 we can do more because they're feeling that they haven't done enough. Can you speak to that, Rabbi? I haven't had, I wasn't one of the rabbis who was in direct contact with the first responders who were there. Um, but I could only imagine when you're doing something so holy, like trying to save someone's life, you need to have guidance. In, in faith. And um, I think that um, there are so many people while they're not right there on the side who are responding and there are, and it's like a ripple effect, right? So there are um, the responders, there are the spouses of the responders who are afraid. There are so many people who are involved, but I think that it takes such a person to, to be able to 
respond not only physically but emotionally and spiritually that says mm-hmm. so much to the people who go into this field that they need that source of strength as well and this is their calling this is what they set out to do mm-hmm. in their lives and so of course they're going to come from it uh, they they must know that they need to have that source of faith and strength as well because it's it's almost impossible to be so strong on your own to do something so heroic. Mayor Kava, one of the things we found here, uh, 9-11, those first responders didn't want to leave. Uh, mm, they yes, wanted to continue yes. to search yes, and yes, rescue, yes. do whatever they can. They had colleagues there. And as human beings, they, they saw everyone as members of the human family. We have a responsibility to do what we can to, to find them. And uh, at some point, of course, you have to tell them, no, you have to go because, you know, we need to bring someone yeah. else in there that you, you can't you can't work, you know, 24 yes. seven yes. here. Yes. You found yes. that as well, I'm sure. Absolutely. And uh, they, you know, came off the, the rubble, dehydrated, recovered and wanted to run back in. <laughs> they don't want to end their shifts. They are just I, I've been saying they live to save lives. This is it's more than a job. It's really because it's not an ordinary sort of a job. Um, And in fact, one of the leaders of our search and rescue team just said to me that he does not view uh, his job necessarily as rescue. He views his job as uh, giving strength to uh, families. Mm. Uh, He sees it as much, right, as much of his job. And Mm -hmm. the Israeli um, uh, defense team was here, their their Cracker Jack team that has already been to 9-11 and worked with our team uh, in other parts of the world. Uh, They uh, bring with them not just search and rescue experts, but psychological experts. Uh, and, And very, very fascinating part of their process is to involve those waiting family members in providing intelligence information that they put into a program to inform the search effort so that those that are waiting become embedded and part of the, the team, the rescue team. Mm-hmm. You know, Mayor, when, when people ask the question, Rabbi, that you raise, where is God? I think that's where we see God, mm-hmm. in the hearts and eyes of those uh, first responders who don't want to leave. They don't want to give up. They're so filled with hope and drive. And that's an expression of God's love for humanity, I believe. You know, Reverend, we often say that we are brothers and sisters keepers. They go beyond that. They're our brothers and sisters saviors. Uh, and to me, to me, there, that is the highest form of religiosity. You're willing to, you know, to put down your life for someone else. What more can we ask of you? So, uh, and, and now, Rabbi, you're quoting out of the New Testament. I just wanted to bring it. To <laughs> I wanted to make you feel a little more comfortable. A man <laughs> lays down his life for his friend. You know, we there got a, we got the first, you know, <laughs> Jewish female mayor. Uh, we got uh, a Rabbi on the phone. So, you know, I want to bring you into it. Um, we're coming you. almost to the end of the conversation. I just want to ask you if you could, Mayor, how has this changed you? And Rabbi, the same thing. What impact has that ha- had on you? Oh, goodness. I I feel so fortunate, so blessed to be in this moment. Of course, I would never have wished for this tragedy, but I also know that from this will come great growth uh, to, to, to deepen my understanding 
of of people in crisis, of people coming together in crisis. Uh, and I, I feel um, that there's a purpose for my being here and, mm. and so grateful for this opportunity for deep service. Mm-hmm. Rabbi? Mm-hmm. Well, um, Mayor, you are, uh, I've watched you stay stoic and strong and focused and poised and at the same time compassionate and caring as you've always been. Um, a reminder for me to, um, you know, that, that I'm in this role for a reason, um, but it also really, um, I guess, strengthened um, my desire to look at everything in life as much as possible as a miracle, the things that we get to see every day and that we get to do because yeah, we don't, yeah. you know, we just, uh-huh. we just don't know when it's going to be gone and we have to do whatever we can to, to live our lives the best we can and, and to still, and to give of ourselves. Yeah. I think people, um, they need, they need that. And it's, uh, we have to hug our children. We have to, we have to say the things we need to say now in the moment on happy occasions and be there for each other on happy yes. occasions. Yeah. Reverend, uh, Reverend, you're speaking to two very special people. Uh, you know, Rabbi Jacobs was with me for years at Mount Sinai. Then she left for Florida. The mayor here is Florida. Do you feel guilty that you've taken so many people from New York and brought them to Florida? I mean, every time I talk to someone, well, we're moving to Florida. And I never hear a Floridian say, I'm moving to New York. So any, any guilt there at all? Uh, you know, you got to blame someone for this. You know, I have to say, I'm really glad that you and I are speaking as much as we are again. I, I've missed you, and I and I, I know, like the mayor said, tragedy brings people together, but I'm glad it brought us back together well, again, too. Thank, thank you so much. Mayor, any final words you want to say? You know, these are, for me, the things that bring me closer to my faith, that hmm. uh, create that space for deep reflection. And um, and I'm grateful to have uh, my caring Jewish community around me, and uh, and and grateful for for my rabbi. Well, a great mayor with a great rabbi, and a great rabbi with a great mayor. So it's a it's mm. a great combination. <laughs> and we just say thank you and look forward to uh, seeing you in person, face to face. And uh, you've really you've inspired us. In the midst of tragedy, you've been a source of inspiration to us. And for that, we uh, we are grateful, most grateful. Absolutely. Thank you both for being on the program. Thank you and God bless. You too. And we'll be back with more of the Rev and the Rabbi right here on 77 WABC. Reverend A.R. Bernard, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik, where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi, 77 WABC. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Uh, Rabbi, what was different about that? I mean, we we had Sal Cassano on and we talked uh, about this issue, but there was just something special having these two individuals who were there on the ground. Yeah. Well, Sal Cassano is one of my favorite people, and he was there, you know, at 9-11, now we're 20 years later. Um, And here you have two people who were so connected to what happened and connected to each other, their faith. It it seemed that we were able to delve into, as I say, the essence of the people. Who Mm -hmm. are they? Who are these? You're talking about leadership. What qualities do they have that makes them such great leaders? 
Uh, and I found myself listening to press conferences and walking away and saying, wow, there's someone uh, that you want to follow. There's someone that you want uh, to lead you, um, not just from the head, but from the heart. And I think to be an effective leader, you need both. And today, right. both qualities right. came across. There was humility. There was there was empathy. There was a spirit of collaboration uh, and moral courage, which it takes to make the hard decisions. Um, you know, that's a tough thing. Yeah. As, as I said during the you know conversation, uh, leadership can be a foul weather job. Nobody cares who's in charge until things go wrong, until there's a crisis, and then they someone really to blame. Us. <laughs> yeah, it's someone exactly. to blame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I I found going back to nine eleven and listening to today, inspiration comes from faith, but it comes from the families, from people that you met, and uh, when you hear their willingness to continue to begin again, uh, that also is strengthening. Uh, I met so many wonderful families who lost so much and still love so much. So I yeah. think, uh, you know, we, we have to see this goodness in all places, in all people, and not, again, to prejudge and not to divide. It's so sickening when you see the divisiveness uh, that goes on in our world today. Right, right. We've got to learn to begin with our common humanity. That's so important. So let me interview you, Rabbi. Uh, in our tradition, we have something called the greater good. We believe that out of every tragedy, there is a greater good. We may not understand it right away, see it right away, but somehow we believe that some greater good comes out of it. Um, what does your faith tradition you teach You know, that's an interesting question. I mean, we talk about a divine design that uh, we believe in a God who created the world, but he gave us free will. And something that uh, the mayor said, uh, I, I think tragedy requires us to look and say, did we do everything we could to prevent this from happening? You know, the biblical story when a body was found and it wasn't known how this person uh, lost his or her life, the elders had to come forward and take an oath. And say, hmm. we had nothing to do. We didn't do this. We had nothing to do with creating an environment where this could happen. Well, I think what's going to happen in Florida is many people are going to look. Uh, they're going to be fingers pointed and saying, how is it possible for this to happen? This was a human error, not a divine error. Uh, and maybe from that, the greater good will be that when we build buildings, we're going to be very, very diligent and making sure all the codes are followed, uh, that we don't do anything in a, you know, uh, in a circuit or shortcut, you know, look for shortcuts, um, because yeah. eventually that comes back to hurt us. Yeah. And it speaks to another principle that the innocent suffer for the guilty. You have a lot of innocent people who lost their lives and families who are crushed now because of the loss of loved ones. And there's someone responsible. You know, um, so the innocent tend to suffer for the guilty in our yeah. world. Yeah. And also look at all of the other people living in these high rise buildings. I think they're going to be looking very carefully. Are we safe? You know, yeah. was everything done to protect us and to prevent this from happening? Uh, that's something that uh, is going to be asked again and again. So the greater good will be when people uh, do everything they can humanly possible. Uh, and strive for the highest standards. Do nothing that is mediocre, nothing substandard, because uh, that will cost you dearly uh, in the uh, in the end. 
Yeah, yeah. Excellent program, Rabbi. Yeah, no, I really, uh, you know, it's it's the kind of program where you ask questions, but you really want to hear the answers. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had so much to say. So, uh, really, thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back with this dynamic duo who investigates all of these <laughs> issues and brings the real conversation to you. Right here on 77 WABC, the Rev. And the Rabbi.